Elderlylu besties, welcome. This is a safe space to vent, talk shit, reflect, and most importantly, keep it real. It's better to trauma dump here so that we don't explode on innocent randos. Just, Just admit, admit it, it. You're, you're bothered. bothered. What's up, the Lulu besties? Welcome back to another episode of Balancing the Bull. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Wait, I have a cute, quick um, public service announcement to okay, make. Okay, let's hear it. I just, I don't know if I want to start my period or why I'm being emotional. I'm usually not this nice of a person, but <laughs> I just was feeling like so grateful, like not even just for me to have you as a friend, but I think what you're going to be doing on this podcast is huge. I feel like sometimes you just take what you've gone through for granted because which is easy you know like it's like oh I've been there like mm -hmm. you kind of just move on but watching you go from being in the closet in college and then how much courage it took because it's like your generation or well, mm -hmm. our generation is the first one to start like coming out of the closet which is huge like I feel like all our gay friends like you guys just like Y'all have done it, so you think it's no big deal, but I just have so much respect for you. You're literally changing the world with the courage mm -hmm. that, you know, because, like, it's making so many generations before us uncomfortable, and that's what happens in order for change to, you know, come about. So, anyway, I just have a lot of respect for you, and I think you have a lot of words of wisdom, and all our Delulu besties are really lucky oh, to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love you. That means a lot. I really appreciate it. And you're right. Sometimes I forget the what I've been through, you know, being in the closet and having to come out and just be myself, and I forget. I'm hard on myself. I don't give myself credit for yeah. that, and so I appreciate it. Okay, and second public service announcement to try to be a better friend. My mm -hmm. sister told me that I need to stop interrupting you, so I took my ADHD <laughs> medicine. So, yeah. She's a little chilled out. Thank you. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little chilled. I'll try to yeah, not we'll... interrupt you, and I'll try to finish my thoughts this time. <laughs> okay, I'll be a little less manic than last, last time. No promises. <laughs> no promises, though. Okay, I think it would be... So last episode, we talked about mine and your history, but I think we left out like a really big part of that, which I wanted to talk about today. So just as a refresher, if you haven't listened to the last episode, go back and listen. But we talked about how Karen and I met in college 11 years ago. Um, she was dating one of my best friends at the time, one of my roommates, fraternity brothers. But we didn't say that we actually stopped being friends for like four, three or four years or something like that, like yeah. midway through college. And then we didn't reconnect until we had both graduated. Um, I had, we both moved to Austin around the same time. I was 2016. I think you were 2017 or something like yeah. that. You had, I'll let you take over, but you were living in San Francisco. You came back. Um, we were brought back into each other's lives, but yeah, let's talk about what happened, messy, what messy Karen did in college and why we weren't friends for like four years. <laughs> oh, so messy. I was so scared that you guys were going to hate me for the rest of my life. And I loved all of my ex's fraternity brothers so much. So I never hated you just for the record. I never hated you. I always was like sad about it. So, Aww, yeah, I was. I was like, cute. oh, Karen, can, can we bring her back? <laughs> I mean, same. I was sad about it. I was like, how do I bring myself back? Okay, where do I even begin? So, 
Well, what happened? Okay, so I met this guy my senior year of high school. We worked at a restaurant together. And then it was a coincidence that we were both going to go to the same college after. So we dated into college. And it was a great relationship for our age, for what it was at the time. I honestly have nothing, not a single bad thing to say about him. He was so respectful. He was a gentleman. He was a really good guy, like a genuinely great guy, guy, great friend, really nice to women, everything. Yeah. Not your typical fraternity guy at all. Like in the fraternity, we definitely had those guys that were like your typical kind of douchey, like annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, just sleeping around and not respectful of women and stuff. And he was not like that. So you did pick a good. Yeah, stand-up guy. Um, Yeah, nothing but great things to say about him. But I ended up cheating on him. And it kind of started in high school. Like, I would go out to party, get blackout drunk. And it started the first time I made out with someone. And I felt so awful the next day. I, like, went crying to him. I was like, I have no idea why I did that. I just was so drunk. I'm so sorry. But, like, I love you to death. Like, I value our relationship. and such a great guy. He forgave me. And then we went into college and I mean, we had like normal small bickering fights, but it wasn't ever like, we didn't have substantial issues in the relationship. So it really was genuinely all my doing, but it escalated in college. So then I had a- Sorry to interrupt really quick. I didn't realize this started in high school. Yes. It was once in high school. I did not know that. I thought it was all in college. Yeah, no, well, but you, the making out was, guy was with it was in high school, and then once you got to college, that's when it became more than just a one time thing, one time make out. Unless it was, it was definitely a guy. The first time, the guy that I made out with, he was from my hometown, so maybe it was like my freshman year of college when I went back home for the holidays. Okay, I don't. But it was it was okay. But so you were very young. Yeah, yeah. something like that. And so anyway, I ended up cheating on him a few more times and he forgave me every time. But then it just got to the point to where I was like, why am I continuing to hurt him? And I think it was all self-sabotaging. It took me maybe until about three years ago for it to all really click into place for me of like why all the pain that I was carrying with me of like why I was acting out. So kind of just taking it all the way back to the beginning of childhood. So to summarize like my childhood trauma, I remember when I was a little girl, when my parents were still together, I would cry and get so sick and my mom would take me to the doctor and they wouldn't ever figure out what medicine to give me to like make my fevers go away. And I just would be shivering and she would get really scared. And every time my dad would come home, cause he worked a lot, like he was the sole provider for the family. And then my mom was a stay at home mm-hmm. mom. Every time he would come home, my face would just light up. And you all of a sudden, sick. yeah, I just wouldn't be sick anymore. That's crazy. Yeah. And I remember specifically, it's crazy because I was so little, but I remember calling him like being like, please, I'm so sick. Like, please come home. Please stop working. Mm-hmm. 
And I think not that we're parents, but I do know a lot of parents talk about guilt because like their kids cry, but I just think it's very interesting. Like a kid also knows what's up. So I think that might've been like the first Mm -hmm. few signs of me just like craving love that I didn't get. And also just, uh, that just reminds me like our bodies are, our immune system goes down when we are like being ignored and not loved in the way that we should. Have you heard this before? Yes. Yeah. So like that was what was happening to you as a, a child. Yeah. Like your your body literally just couldn't fight off anything because you weren't being loved by your parents, your dad specifically. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't know this until working with Laura, but she said just how every kid that's born into this world needs like shelter, food and water. They also need love by both of their parents in order to develop like in a healthy way. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. So anyway, then my parents got divorced and it was a very tumultuous divorce. So I grew up without a father. And I didn't really have a relationship with my father after that. He would say he loved me, but then his actions showed otherwise. And then my mom had to, she was a single mom all of a sudden for three kids. And it was a lot. And I think she just was really scared. Like we were living in Mexico City because that's where my dad and his family was. And then her family was in the United States. So she was like, all right, well, I got to like pick up my kids and move them across another country now so I can have Mm -hmm. like the support of my parents and my siblings. Like, what am I going to do here in Mexico by myself raising three Mm -hmm. kids? So I think she was really scared and she was really depressed for the entire time that she raised me after that. Mm -hmm. So like my parents got divorced when I was six years old And then until a few years ago when she got remarried is when I really saw a change in her. And that's when it all kind of clicked for me. The depressed version of her is all I've known for my entire life. So like, I just knew that we had our differences, that there were things with the way that she parented me that I didn't agree with, but she was never open about her depression. So until mm-hmm. I saw her change now in her new marriage, I, then it all hit me like, oh, wow, you were so unhappy, like the my time. entire childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I already like wasn't getting enough love for my father. And then my mom wasn't emotionally available either to love mm-hmm. me. So even though they both say they love me. I don't think they realize they don't go to therapy and do the inner work. So I don't think they realize that they're not even emotionally available to love anybody else. Like they first needed to learn how to love themselves and mm-hmm. forgive themselves, you know, for making the mistake of like not the marriage, not working out or whatever their deep rooted issues are. They just mm-hmm. haven't worked through them. So yeah. they're, which I'm sure came from how they were raised. Also, oh, it's just passed yes. down generation after generation after generation. Yes. Yeah. And even like seeing my grandma, like she's also very reserved. And I mean, I can't speak too much on my grandma because I obviously like wasn't raised by her. So I didn't see like hands on, but I know my mom had to end up this way 
from someone, probably mm-hmm. the two people who raised her, her own parents. So yeah, it is a generational thing. And I've put in a tremendous amount of work in therapy, I feel mm-hmm. like to break the generational curse. So if I ever have kids, I'll hopefully be a little bit more emotionally available than like my parents were to me and emotionally mature too. Anyway, I, like I said, I didn't know any of this until about three years ago. So All I know is growing up, I just started rebelling and I didn't know why. Like I was a very good, quiet kid, always followed the rules. And then my mom, like, is she'll always make comments like, I don't know what happened to you. You just like all of a sudden changed and like started breaking the rules. But now Mm. I can see it was a cry for attention. Like I just wanted to be seen by my parents, Mm -hmm. like my dad was literally in another country, like never made the effort to come see me. And then my mom was busy being depressed, dating a loser for 12 years, and then Mm -hmm. working trying to provide for three kids on her own, because my dad never paid child support. So I think that's kind of like the root of the issue for I mean, I guess like it's what shaped me. And it's the root of the issue for Mm -hmm. why I acted out why I started like bad decisions in general yeah Mm -hmm. and this is why therapy is so important and being in tune with your emotions and being emotionally mature is so important because the longer that I went down this path it was just self-sabotage after self-sabotage so like there's so many instances that I now see as a cry for help from childhood even just sneaking out or like failing classes or like sneaking off campus. Mm. Yeah, maybe you could say I was like a bored kid, but I think and it's hard to say because like, obviously I don't know. It, it is what it is. My mom parented me the way that she did, but I think like rather than her punishing me every time I had made a mistake, like I'm very curious to see if she would have seen me, like if she would have sat me down and been like, I know you're in pain. Let's talk about it. Like that would have probably gone a long way and Mm. made me a lot more effective to get me to stop acting out. But I never got that. She just like punished me and I Mm -hmm. was grounded my entire childhood. So then I think it escalated to my relationship in college where the honeymoon phase with my ex, your fraternity brother was over after a while. And even though it was such a healthy relationship, all I know is unhealthy relationships. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know like how to handle it. And I think I took it for granted. And now looking back to like, there's obviously no way he could have known. And he also isn't in therapy, like not to talk down on him. Cause again, like I have nothing but great things to say about him. But like now looking back, I'm like, damn, if I could change one thing, I wish that he would have seen me. And I mean, I don't know though. I think what I've also learned from Laura is no one else. Like she has told me this so many times, like no, you're waiting for somebody to save you and you have to save yourself. Yeah. yeah. And then no once you, you see yourself, mm-hmm. then other people will like start seeing you too. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. Now I'm glad I was able to like, work through all that because for so many years after I cheated on him and broke up with him. Like I just was confused. And I was like, I never again want to hurt somebody that way. And I don't know. I have no guarantee that I won't do that to somebody else because Mm -hmm. I don't even know why I did it to begin with. So like, what if I just like act out again? But now that I have filled my own cup with love and self-love and like I have real confidence, not just like 
fake pretending confidence to try to get attention from anybody I know. Like I do feel a lot more secure going into my next relationship. But after he and I broke up, like the smart thing to have done would have been to go into therapy work through a healthy way of Mm -hmm. like how, why I acted out in that way. But instead I just took it a little step further. I, my partying went from like just over the weekend. You were going, I remember you were like drinking like almost every day. Yes. Right. Literally. I think I only didn't party on Mondays. It's wild. Yeah. (laughs) How did your body do it? I don't know. I look back and I'm like, how am I alive? Yeah. That is crazy. How did I even graduate college? Right. Like partying six days a week. That's insane. And I didn't know that I was lashing out and that I was in so much pain. Mm -hmm. Like I never took the time to even like try to recover from that breakup. I just went straight into partying and thought like, well, this is normal. This is what college kids do. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing when people are walking around with unhealed trauma, like they just, there's always an excuse. You can always find a reason for why it's normal or like why it's okay for you to lash out at people or do drugs or party or whatever your coping mechanism is. Mm -hmm. It, I don't even know. I don't have like a suggestion for how to like stop and look in the mirror. I feel like it kind of just goes back to when you hit rock bottom. I was going to say like every, most people are going to hit some sort of rock bottom where they're just realize like, Oh, I don't want to keep doing this. And yeah, I feel like, I mean, you know, I've gone through the same thing. Like it's just drinking like drugs going out all the time, sex. Like it's just a mask kind of. Yes. To, not feel anything and it works for a little bit but then after a while how do i phrase this like then you have to add like a bigger mask because then Mm -hmm. it's not doing it anymore kind of like yeah i know you keep having to do more and more and more because yes the like void you're trying to fill is never getting filled yes kind of going back to the relationship like first you know we were like in the honeymoon phase so that was enough of every day like operating at like a high anxious level where it's like exciting. Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. was enough to fill like the void within me. But then after that died down and then it went to like stable and healthy, then I had to go find it. And first it was like a makeout with a random guy. And then it had to escalate because then that wasn't enough anymore. And then when I started, when I was single and then I started partying, then it was like one night stand after one Mm -hmm. night stand. And like, I just thought it was fun. And now looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, that was so uh, dangerous yeah destructive dang- yeah destructive that's yeah. the word i'm looking for mm-hmm. and that wasn't even enough of a wake-up call after that and then i graduated college and i always knew like i never i mean and i'm sure a lot of college kids can relate to this like where you just aren't sure what you want to major in Mm -hmm. So again, I thought this was like a normal issue. I didn't think it was anything serious that I needed to look into, but I ended up getting a business degree because I was like, well, that's the safe route and at least I'll make a lot of money. And going back to my childhood, we had money issues when my parents divorced because my dad was just petty and never paid child support. And my mom was a teacher. So trying to provide for three kids off a teacher's salary, like I just went from having this pretty comfortable lifestyle when my parents were together, 
we had a maid, you know, Christmas gifts. I went to private school. And then all of a sudden, like, I need toothpaste. And my mom is like, okay, well, that's going to be your Christmas gift. I remember feeling out of control and also not safe because it was so hard for me to constantly listen. Like, we don't have money for anything, especially like, I think it maybe would have been one thing if that was all I knew, like if that's what I was born into, but I was born into a very comfortable life. And then to have it all taken away from me was just shocking. And I didn't know who to be mad at. And now looking back to like, I think had my mom been honest, And rather than blaming money and like pretending that she was afraid of money and like not having money, had she just been honest and been like, I'm afraid that I'm parenting alone and like Mm -hmm. I'm angry at the divorce. But she never did that. She was never open about her emotions. She just always wanted to pretend that everything was fine, I guess, to try to protect us. I don't know. She's not really in tune with her emotions. And she like never said she loved us. Like she's just not in tune with her emotions Mm. that way. So anyway, I just, I think about it now because for the longest time I've been so afraid to have my own kids because I'm like, well, I don't know what if I ever have like a downtime with money and I have kids to provide for, or like, what if I end up getting divorced? But now that I'm in such a healthy place with my emotions, I'm like, this is a normal part of life. Mm -hmm. And you have to, you can't just shelter your kids so much and like raise them into letting them think that there's like a perfect world out there. And then you let them go off to college and then like life hits them in the face when they realize that life isn't actually perfect or like maybe in the real world, once they get a job, there's a healthy way to go through a divorce and to Mm -hmm. still both be a part of your child's life. But it takes two very emotionally mature people in order to do that. So now it also just kind of irritates me watching emotionally immature people get married and have kids because I'm mm-hmm. like, you are going to fuck that kid up mm-hmm. so bad you don't even realize it. And then same with money. I, I even do it to this day. It's such a bad habit to break because, you know, this has been like ingrained in me since childhood. But there's so many times where I think I'm stressed out about money. And then when I stop to think about it, I'm like, okay, I am in such a lucky and privileged position right now. So many people kill to have like the life that I have and the amount of money that I have. So like it's money's not actually the problem. It's just the mask. Yeah. Yeah. I just, because my mom always complained about money and wasn't honest about like how she was actually just depressed and afraid. Now I feel like that's like a go-to for me where I don't say what's actually going on with my emotions, I just like think that I'm pissed off at money, which mm-hmm. like money's just an object. It's like it's literally really equivalent real. of like a water bottle or any other object. Yeah, it's not real. And like, also has nothing to do with you as a person. Like yeah. who you really are, like money has nothing to do with that. Yeah. And it's wild because I know so many people think they have money problems, but like it has nothing to do with money. Like that's mm-hmm. a good sign that you've got to look in the mirror and probably get some therapy. Yeah. Your outlook on money has really helps me just not worrying about it. How much lighter I feel and yeah. how much just, yeah, just happier in general. Um, and the more that I'm just opening myself up to money coming in by doing that is insane. Yes. And then you realize 
it's the emotions. Like when mm-hmm. people's emotions are out of control, when they're not in control of their own emotions, it's so easy to like be like, oh, I'm not in control of my finances. But like it's two totally separate things. Like money, it does not have to be that hard of yeah. a relationship. This is like, another self-sabotage thing. Like self-sabotage yes. works big time with money too. If you are always worried, and I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it's, I just started practicing this this year. But if you are worried about it and always you know, scared, you know, where your money's going to come from, you're going to end up sabotaging yourself in some way where that is going to come true. Yes. You're not open to to opportunities that are going to bring you money. Yeah. You have to remind yourself money is just an object. So if you ever catch yourself doing that, which this is why we meditate, because you've got to be aware of what thoughts are crossing through your head. Otherwise, you're not even going to catch yourself like blaming money. But anyway, once you're able to catch that, then just remind yourself like, oh, this is the equivalent of me being mad at a water bottle or like any other object in front of you. So then that way you can take a step back and be like, okay, what's really going on here? Like, what am I actually mad or frustrated about? Yeah, and I agree. And I think, yeah, to a lot of people, this might sound kind of confusing, like this whole idea of like self-sabotaging and you know, making that come true where you're not getting the money that you're looking for. But think of it the way I've kind of been thinking of it is if I'm not worrying about money and not self-sabotaging, my, I guess, headspace is going to be much more clear and open. And it's going to lead me to where that money is going to come from, if that makes sense. So like, it's like, I'm going through this right now in my life. I'm like, before I was so worried about money, I was like, I have to work this kind of shitty job i'm never going to be making like what i really want but like i don't know what else i can do so i'm just gonna like work this job forever and now that i'm not worrying about that i'm starting to realize like well more mostly like who i am as a person and that's kind of leading me to ways that i can make money off of that if that makes sense Yes, it makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. because what I just heard you say is you were focusing on being stressed out about money. And so that was like at the forefront of your mind. And so when you're like operating off anxious thoughts like that, then that's all that you're focusing Mm -hmm. on. Like your mind is trying to work and it's trying to help you, but you're not listening. Like you're not going to see what your intuition is telling you. Your intuition is like, hey, bitch, like here's the money. I'm telling you exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. But you're so focused on the stress that like you can't hear. Yeah. You're not open, open to any other opportunities. So like everyone, like there's money out there for everyone and we have the ability to go get it. But so many of us are just so just closed off from it because we're so worried about where the money's going to come from. We don't allow ourselves to just let it happen naturally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, if you would have told me like this last year, even I would have probably laughed in your face. Like, <laughs> it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, it, it works. Because and I've been doing it this year. I know you've been doing it like the past year, so two years. Yeah, yeah, you've been doing it for a while. Yeah, I don't even know how long. Oh, and so the other thing too that I heard you say is once you're able to let go of that stress of money, then it obviously clears up the headspace, and then it allows you to focus on your self worth. Because when you have a high self-esteem and you know, like when you truly feel it, like within every bone in your being, that you are worthy of whatever it is that you want, like a good career, money, love, relationships, friendships, whatever, mm-hmm. then all your other problems, including the stress of money, just dissolve. 
Right. We just went off on the longest tangent. I forgot. We were talking about trauma. And <laughs> now, <laughs> sorry, this is going to happen quite this often. Is a, um, but it's all good stuff. podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, my self-sabotaging. So it switched. After college, I obviously had to tone it back on the partying because I then started a career and that took up, I was working like 80 hours a week, mm-hmm. my first career. So then rather than like being fixated on getting this, uh, what's it called? Like a quick fix, just validation. So at first I was getting validated through like partying because I was getting so much attention from guys and one night stands and just like getting like free drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then after college, and my career, then it shifted to money. So then I thought that's what was going to validate me. And I knew it started in college. Like I was like, a business degree is just not for me. Like I'm you knew that not back then. feeling it. Yeah. But I just was like, well, it makes logical sense on paper because I'll be able to make a lot of money and then mm-hmm. I'll be okay because, you know, we had money problems growing up in childhood. So like if I can just provide for myself now, mm-hmm. then, and obviously none of this ever came through me like consciously at the time in college. This was all just subconscious decisions that I didn't know were driving mm-hmm. like my day-to-day decisions. But yeah, I looking back, I'm able to see how like, I was like, once I make enough money, then all my problems will go away. Cause then I'll be worthy because like, then I'll be successful. Yeah. And, and can I just say, isn't it crazy? And I know so many people can relate to this and feel the same. They think all this money is going to bring them happiness, yes. but, but think of the way you're getting the money. Like if you're doing a shitty job that you really can't stand, like you're, yes. it doesn't matter no. at all. And that's exactly what I'm getting at. Like, when I started my job, I hated it. But then I was like, after a while, I was like, okay, let me try a different one. I was switching jobs like every year. And I just kept making up excuses for like, why this misery was okay. Because I was like, Mm -hmm. you know what, once I hit the six figure mark, then then I'll be okay. Um, And I hit the six figure mark. And then that's when rock bottom came because Mm -hmm. I was like, what am I now going to like go for the seven figure mark? Like, I think that's that just nice. when I was like, okay, it's been enough. Like it was from rebelling in high school to then like cheating and sexual scandals mm-hmm. in college. And now like this chasing the money, none of it is fixing me. And then I just ended up feeling emptier than ever. And I was like, I just can't, I don't even want to continue chasing life like this anymore. Yeah, And that's when you started getting thoughts of, suicide yeah yeah. well i mean the signs are there very early on like even going way back to childhood you know like rebelling like that was me just wanting to be seen those Mm -hmm. were very early signs that like i could have started to get help right away but i didn't realize that so then it escalated to you know me partying out of control and just being promiscuous and then chasing money and then with my career I started out like I just was getting really stressed out and then I didn't know what else to do though. So the Mm -hmm. stress eventually started leading to panic attacks and it would be maybe like one panic attack like every few months. Eventually it was like 
they started coming up more and more like every few weeks. Then it was like every day, then multiple times mm -hmm. a day. And I mean, by that time I was getting help, but it wasn't an overnight solution. It was having to dig up. It was like peeling off onion layer by onion layer of like revisiting. Yeah. You have to go to the, the very beginning. Yes. Yeah. And you have mm -hmm. to revisit all of these scandals you've been through, like the chasing of the money, the chasing of like the attention. I had yeah. to revisit it all to try to see. It wasn't just fun partying. Like it was me wanting to be seen. And yeah, I took a lot of revisiting all those stories in order to finally be like, oh, I just needed to be loved and needed mm -hmm. to be seen. That yeah. was literally it. Yeah, yeah. And you have to go back and I feel like start with your childhood first. Like you yes. can't start with just like the most recent issue that's going on. So like say you reach right bottom just got out of a really bad relationship or you're having money issues, stuff like that. Like you need to actually go back to the very beginning and thank God we both started life coaching. That's thank really what God. helped us get there. And yeah, I think, I think we touched on this a little bit at, on the first episode, but a big part of why we're doing this podcast is we want to help people who are in a situation kind of like we were and are not happy. Maybe they're making Maybe they're making good money, maybe they're not, but maybe they're just unhappy with their jobs and they've kind of accepted or they feel like that's all they're going to be able to do. But me and Karen, I guess within the past year, I've just realized like we're not going to accept that. Like yeah. we don't have to do that. Like we can still have everything we want and not work, you know, a really a job that brings us misery. Yeah. So we are both. You know, we're both trying to, or we are starting our own businesses and trying to get to a place where we're just doing something that actually brings us joy, but is also bringing us money in. So yeah, that's kind of a big reason why we're doing this and we want to help people get there as well, because everyone can do it. Yeah, everyone can. And I think it just takes you hearing it from somebody like, I didn't have anybody telling me, especially in childhood when I was growing up with my absent parents, like no one told me you're worth it. Like even, you know, when I was stressed out, like with my careers and I would call my mom and be like, oh my God, what do I do? And because she's not in tune with her emotions and like she has low self-esteem, she wasn't going to tell me to chase mm -hmm. after my dreams and tell me that I was worth more. She doesn't even believe that in herself. Like yeah. I never had any, it had somebody just told me like, Hey, life doesn't have to be this hard. That was all I needed. And that's what Laura told mm -hmm. me. And then it was kind of like what then flipped the switch in my mind. Like it, it took me away from just focusing on the anxiety and how stressed I was to them. Like, Oh wait, we can look for other options. Yeah. Cause society has just like programmed us that you have to, you have to go to college. Yes. You have to work nine to five. You have to work like 80 hours or something if you want to like make really good money. Yes. And, you know, you can't really go out and do your own thing. Like you can't just start your own business, you know, if you don't have any money. Yeah, but you can. You can. And I also just want to clarify because I think a lot of people are in denial. Like I was for a long time, like when Laura would encourage me like, okay, well, let's look at your relationship with your mother. and. The fact that I was defensive about it should have like said enough. I remember when you were very defensive. Like you're the way you used to talk about your mom. I was like, damn, <laughs> like, is she really that bad? <laughs> yeah, and I think I just was so angry that like yeah, you're angry. I knew something was off, but I didn't know what it was. But 
anyway, yeah, I was like, no, she's like, she's not a bad mom. Like, we don't need to like look further into that. And I know, like, even just talking to people about like what I've been through, they're like, oh, well, my parents were great. I'm not saying that my parents aren't great and that anyone else's parents aren't great. They just are all doing the best that they can. Mm -hmm. And like, this isn't my mom's fault. This goes back to like, again, what Danny was saying, like the way that society programs us and it's every day, like, with the media that we're bombarded with the constant advertisements telling us that we're not enough, that we're not skinny enough or pretty mm -hmm. enough. And now it's Botox. There's always like something bigger and better for you to keep being mm -hmm. anything but your natural self. Yeah. So that, and then you add religion into it where they're like, you just follow the rules. you got to be a good stay at home wife. You don't mm -hmm. argue with the husband. You just stay home and you cook. And you know, my, like my mom, her, father, my grandfather was so old school that like he didn't even, she, he put her through college, but like her older sisters had a hard time. They like begged him to let them go to college. And he was like, well, no, that's just not what women do. Like women don't have career. Our generations evolve over time. And this is just the way that we're evolving now. Like, I just mm -hmm. don't want to place the blame on any specific person because it's just... I don't know. It's a big issue. I don't even know like where to begin. <laughs> anyway, enough about me. Let's talk about your trauma. Oh yeah. Okay. A good trauma dump. Um, if uh, Karen knows one thing about me, it's I love trauma dumping. I love just <laughs> talking. I don't know why it's just like, I mean, it's journaling out loud first yes. of all. Um, and I was ignoring mine for 30 years. Like I didn't start like unpacking everything and, into the last year and a half or so. Um, and it had my, I was just very insecure my whole life. And my, my self-confidence was like in the gutter. It was just really, really low. And I didn't, it was just who I was. I didn't really question it. I was never like, why do I feel like this? It was just always like, this is who you are. And that's how it's always going to be. And I kind of just accepted it. And I, as a kid, I was extremely shy, like to the point where I, I think I've told you this, I had to take two years of kindergarten because I really yeah. wouldn't talk to anyone. I wasn't because I was failing. I don't know if you can even fail kindergarten, like you're <laughs> coloring and whatever. Um, it was because I literally like I would go to school and I would just look at the ground. I wouldn't talk to any other kids. I wouldn't talk to the teacher. And, you know, I had to go to therapy and they recommended I take a second year of kindergarten. But of course, this was all related to parenting. So for me, it was my dad. I mean, my mom, who she's amazing. She had, you know, her own issues, but it was mainly um, on my dad's side where um, kind of similar to Karen, they were, my parents divorced when I was seven. Um, but while we were still living as a family, he was just very, just extremely closed off. Like I never got any love from him ever. Um, it was, he worked a lot. Like, 15 to, you know, 18 hours a day. Sometimes, uh, he would come home, like wouldn't, wouldn't give me any love. It would always be, if we were interacting, he was like yelling at me or it eventually escalated to being abusive. Um, just physically, you know, there was a couple of times, uh, I actually don't remember any of this, which is crazy. Uh, you know, I think we just block some things out because my brother is always the ones that tell my brother is always the one that tells me about the abuse stuff, um, and he's younger than me, so it's just kind of odd that he can remember these yeah. things that I can't. 
But I think the breaking point for my mom was, so my dad would just come home from work. He'd be so angry and he would always take his anger out on me specifically, like never my brother. It was me. Maybe because I was older, I really don't know why. I don't know if there was something about me that he didn't like or, you know, that was triggering him in some way. I don't know. I don't really remember. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to add one thing real quick. Like this is why it's so important again to be in tune with your emotions and be emotionally mature because like it, it's so easy for people to just write this off like, well, it's normal for, you know, the dads to go to work and like it's what society tells mm-hmm. the dads to do. And like, well, of course they're tired and frustrated when they get home. Like, so unless you're emotionally aware, you're just going to think that all of this is okay, but then look at the long-term effect yeah. that it has on your kid. Yeah. And then even if they put you in therapy as a kid, you're still going back home every day to that toxic situation. So like therapy can't really help you until you get out of that situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not normal. You kids biologically like children need to be loved by their parents. And like nurtured. that's yeah. Nurtured. And yeah. So I didn't have that. I think, yeah, I reached a breaking point with my mom when, like, the police were called one time because um, he had kicked me. Um, I don't remember this, but, yeah. So my mom and dad got divorced shortly after that. And they were it, they were having their own issues, too. Um, so, but, yeah, it was mostly just him taking out his anger on me. And as a kid, you know, I didn't it, – again, it took me 30 years to realize this. But as a kid, like, the only way I could process what was happening is – what did I do wrong? And yeah. like, what's wrong with me that's making him so angry? It was yeah. never, it never crosses a kid's mind. That's like, Oh, dad's angry. Cause he has issues. He hasn't resolved from his parents. Like no yeah. kid is going to realize that. No. Yeah. All they're going to think is, Oh, I did something wrong. Oh, something's wrong with me. Um, and that just will crush their self-confidence. And then that's where it starts because then you're like, you have that natural need to be loved. Like you crave that as a kid, all kids do. So then it's like, okay, well, what can I do to be loved? So then mm-hmm. that's when you start that chase. Oh yeah. And my, yeah, boy, did I chase it. It was bad. Like I've like, it was, it started with, so I had on top of, you know, all the daddy issues and security issues. And it was also, you know, I was gay and I wasn't, didn't know how to process that. So I thought, you know, that was another thing that was wrong with me. I grew up in a very conservative town, like mostly white people. I was always made fun of for being Mexican, uh, the color of my skin. Yeah. So like, it was just, it was just a lot of stuff that ended up being a recipe for disaster for me. Um, I had around when I was 16, I decided to start, you know, getting online and talking to guys, like exploring this, side of me and I had a really bad experience with the very first person that I had met online and this was at 16 and I won't go too much in that story but I met this guy online he was telling me he loved me and all this stuff it was ridiculous like 16 year yeah we were 16 year old 16 years old I didn't know anything I'd never been with anyone never kissed anyone or anything and you know I ended up driving two hours to meet him um I stayed the night at his house the next day never heard from him again it was just kind of like a really heartbreaking thing for a 16 year old to go through. Cause they, you don't know anything about dating or love at yeah. that age. Like I, you know, that was my first experience with that. So when this guy was telling me like, Oh, I love you and all that stuff. I believed it. And, and then it's like repeating what you 
go went through with your dad, like, oh, I'm not enough. Like, what do I need? Exactly. To do to yeah. So it was just like another whammy. Like it was another hard hit. Um, I took that really hard. So basically, yeah, that kind of summarizes what I went through as a kid. It made me extremely shy, no confidence. And that followed me into adulthood um, and manifested in a number of ways. One, I never, for me, career-wise, like I never thought, I never had the confidence to go for what I thought I deserved. It kind of just made me sit back and be like, oh, I, I didn't really want to be seen. Like I didn't want to put myself out there. I was just too scared to put myself out there. I didn't have confidence to. I didn't have confidence to, you know, go for certain jobs. I didn't even have the ability to think about like, oh, what would I be good at? Because yeah. I didn't think I was good at anything. I just like myself, I'm telling you, it was, it was really low. So sad. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And my dad, you know, parents don't have any idea what this kind of stuff does yeah, to their no kids at all. Yeah. So yeah, I had no self-worth. So I just accept, you know, I worked really shitty jobs. I, I finally have a decent job, but again, it's nothing I'm passionate about. It's, uh, you know, something I'm, again, I'm just doing because I thought this is all there is for me. Um, biggest way it affected me was with my um, dating life. And I would, so because I was never getting loved, never got that validation from my dad, I was always seeking it from other men. So yeah. dating, and I was constantly trying to get just someone to love me. And but I was not being myself, first of all, like, I was not, it was self-sabotaging also in a way, like I was going, I was dating for the wrong reason, so it would never work out. And I would always, without fail, pick someone who was not good for me in some sort of way. So it was always going to be someone who they had their own issues and I was attracted to that in a way. Yeah. So for me, it was anyone, a couple of things, anyone who made me feel anxious that I would mistake that for like butterflies. Yeah, butterflies and romance. And I'd be like, oh, like, let me, you know, this is the person I need to be going after. They're making me feel this sort of way. The whole time they were making me feel anxious because they were not, you know, for another number of reasons. Maybe they weren't committing to me. Maybe they were just, you know, standoffish in some way. Maybe they even, even guys who were mean to me, I would still be attracted to. Yeah, because um, you don't know any different. That's how your dad treated yeah, you. Yeah. So guys who have just kind of treated me shitty. Um, I didn't mind. Like I just yeah. kept like, those were the ones I went after and that's what I tried to surround myself with. And I know like your subconscious, obviously we're never conscious of this in the moment, but I know because I went through the exact same thing. Like your subconscious is like, Oh, this guy is being mean to me. It's okay. Let me try harder. Like what else? Let me just keep chasing and keep begging mm -hmm. and then he'll give in. Yeah. Like, yeah, no. exactly. And it, and it never works out. No. So yeah, just anyone who, is finding themselves in that cycle. It's really hard to break, um, so but you have to, because it doesn't work out. It took me, yeah, it just took me so long to figure out that part of why I was doing that with dating. Yeah, uh, because that's your entire life. So you don't know anything different. So to like somehow all of a sudden at 30 years old, like pull yourself out and see it mm -hmm. from a different perspective that you've never Grown, it is like the hardest work ever. Oh, I was literally about to say it's the hardest thing you'll ever do because you can say it and like realize it, but actually applying it in real life is even harder than discovering it. And yeah, somebody can say it to you, but until you discover it, it 
and see it for yourself, it's mm-hmm. never going to register in your mind. No, never. Just my whole first 30 years of life was just seeking validation in whatever way. And yeah, it got, uh, it got destructive for me too, kind of like it did for you. Like I was, for me, I was definitely going out a lot at some points. I was doing drugs often. Like I was not hanging out with a good crowd. Um, you know, I just wasn't living a healthy lifestyle. I was just, you know, partaking destructive behaviors. And I would, you know, I even got in trouble once or I got arrested. It was just, it was going downhill and it seemed to be getting worse. Like it actually seemed to get worse after college. Like in college, I was like trying to hold everything together. I was staying in the closet. I dated a girl, you know, I was trying to hold it all together, but I just couldn't anymore after I graduated college. And that's when I started to really like spiral out of control. And, and for me, the most destructive part of it was the, was sex. Honestly, um, for me, that was, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out like why that was the Avenue. I think it has a lot with just being gay and gay culture. Like sex is such a huge thing and everyone like that's how it's very easy. Everyone wants to do it. That's how everyone's kind of, it's kind of like shaking hands in the gay community is like having sex. I'm serious. Like, they everyone's sleeping with each other they're like you know every relationship that i would start would start off as like a hookup y'all are wild no y'all it's are insane like a totally different species <laughs> out there yeah it's insane like yeah. you don't even want to know uh, and i don't i haven't even told you like half of like what i have like been through and There's experienced more? yeah i mean it was just and i really just it was like an addiction for a long time where it's just like it was never enough. And it was always like, oh, the more attractive person that I can get, that's going to make me feel better. And so then I would, I was working out all the time. I was spending so much money to, to look better, like, you know, Botox and everything. I was like, whatever I can do to like be more attractive to these people. And then you would get there and then you feel worse. Kind of yeah. like how you were with your money. Like, yeah. yeah, it was a very destructive way of, yeah, just living. Um, and let's see, what was my rock bottom? I guess my rock bottom was having my most recent breakup um, where I I was already looking for a way out of this kind of destructive behavior I was doing. And I was kind of getting out of it, um, but I wasn't, I didn't. I was looking for someone to help me out of it. Like I wasn't doing it for myself. You wanted to be saved. I wanted to be saved. Exactly. Like, and so I was wanting another guy to do that for me. Um, and I met someone who at the time seemed like he was living like the lifestyle that I really wanted. Um, you know, it moved very fast. We talked about moving in together, by the way, this is all over the span of like three or four months. Um, that's just how I was, um, which is crazy, but I thought it was true. I thought it was like this, I thought like this was the one I had like fixed a lot of, I actually had worked on a lot of destructive behaviors that I had been doing in relationships, like fighting and, um, not communicating and stuff like that. And so when I was with him and like, we weren't fighting or anything, I think I was like, oh yeah, this is it. Like, this is just proof that I've done the work and you know, this is who I'm going to be with. And I thought I was going to like go move off with him. And then I, everything was be fine. And, but I wasn't thinking about myself. I was only thinking about doing something really for someone else. He was kind of calling all the shots. I wasn't really thinking about what is going to actually make me happy. Cause I was still in that mindset of like, I need someone's validation to make me 
happy. And yeah, when that quickly just like blew up into flames, I definitely hit rock bottom there. And that's when I finally realized I started to make need to make changes. And that's what led me to where I am now. Uh, I eventually realized like number one thing for me is doing something that brings me joy. So for me, it's not working at this at a corporate job that I'm working now. It's, you know, it's not about money, you know, that is important. And I know that will come with this. But that's kind of what's if you would have asked me, you know, before this guy, it what I wanted to do, what I think I would be doing for the rest of my life career wise, I would say staying in that same, like dead end job. Like I didn't have any ambition to do anything else. I didn't have any really confidence to do anything else. Yeah. I thought like, this is all I can do. And I'll meet someone who will like fill the void and make me happy. And then I'll be okay with everything that's going on in my life. Yeah. And it makes so much sense because obviously he was giving you more attention. And so it was just like the first three months, like he was a lot, he was giving you more attention than your dad and was like a lot nicer than what you were used to with your dad. So like Mm -hmm. our standards are literally at the bare bottom minimum on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, On the floor. So obviously we're going to accept anything. I think it's like gold. And so I feel like this is obvious, but the reason why it's so important for you to find yourself is because your standards are at the ground. So like, I know sometimes like I would think like I have it under control. Like I know how to find a good guy, but like you don't. And I think, I I know this sounds so cliche of like, Oh, first you got to find yourself and then you'll like, it's so true. Somebody else. But yeah, it is true because like once you fill your own cup, once you're busy with like things that you do enjoy, then you're so secure and confident and happy with your own life. Like you have so many activities going on that you enjoy. Then once you meet a guy, then he's just a nice add on, but you're not looking for him to fill your time and be that joy. Like yeah. You're already doing that for yourself. That. Yeah. yeah. I think it, it's just really beautiful that we're on the same page right now. We're almost kind of like same point in our journey where yeah. we have finally gotten over like our anxious attachment. Yes. And, and not only that, cause I guess that's not something you always, or you can just make go away, but it's, we're able to realize like if we meet someone, if they're worth, getting to know or not yes if they're going to make us feel you know anxious or if they're going to make us feel you know secure and that's just something neither of us have ever had before yeah until now yeah yeah i mean we're both still single but like i know we're not going to go backwards oh from yeah here. no way and yeah. going back to like your butterflies how you confused that like mm-hmm. it was actually anxiety this was like rocket science for me when it finally clicked in my head. Same. I was always like butterflies. Like if I wasn't feeling butterflies on a date, then I would just not even give it a second thought. Yes. Yeah. And so those are the people that you need to be giving a second thought to the ones that don't give you the butterflies. Like how you should be feeling is like a very neutral state. Like no chase, no high, obviously not like a low of being hurt. Like just like, calm that's when you're Mm -hmm. so secure and confident in your own life that like then whatever else comes your way like it's nice Mm -hmm. but whatever and okay another thing that blew my mind that I learned a few months ago is just how easy it is to listen to your body like just pay attention if you tense up on a day or if you start to like get a ton of like nervous anxious thoughts and you're wondering 
well, does he like me? Like, it's not about him. It's about you. Like, mm-hmm. it, do I like him? Like, how does he, when I'm around him, how does my body feel? Like, is it relaxed? Or like, do I feel stressed out for any reason? Does any part of my body hurt? Like, am I having yeah. constant racing thoughts? Those are all like not butterflies. Those mm-hmm. are anxiety and you got to run away. Yeah, Those exactly. are your daddy issues. Yeah, yeah. And your body will tell you. And it's, I never thought I'd be the type of person that would be able to recognize that. And yeah, I never thought I'd be the type of person that like would be okay with, you know, going on a date with someone or dating someone who didn't make me feel, you know, butterflies, aka anxious. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even just for dating, it goes for anything like career or even a social situation, whatever situation you're in, just listen to your body. And that will tell you like whether you need to be in that situation or not. Mm. So long story short, what we have been trying to say for the last hour. It's been a lot of rambling. I'm sorry, (laughs) but hopefully it was good rambling. Hopefully it makes sense. (laughs) But yeah, long story short, just you never know what other people are going through. I'm sure I seemed like an awful person in college and not that I'm like condoning my behavior by any means, but like, again, you just never know what other people are going through and judging them and putting them down is only going to reaffirm that lack of self-love that they like never got from their parents. Mm -hmm. So like, if you truly want to see a change in this world, have compassion for people because that's how you start to fill their cup and your own too. I love that. Let's all just be kind to each other. Yeah, literally, and, it's not that hard. Yeah. Get someone a hug. Yeah, please. Or at least a <laughs> smile. Yeah, a wave, maybe. Yeah. A handshake. Yeah. <laughs> Something. All right. Peace out, besties. Okay. Until next time.